0: We're here. We're here. Listen, we're going to take a little pause in our Sojourner um, series that we're doing. We're going to, I think, address some issues here um, and and hopefully address them from a biblical perspective. Um, Come on, the Bible is everything for us who believe, right? It gives us um, light in dark times, doesn't it? Uh, When we don't know how to respond, we don't know what to say, we don't know how to behave, we don't know how to react emotionally. We have the Word of God uh, to guide us. And this is what I want to use as a platform today, uh, this morning, as we build upon uh, what has shaken our nation. For some of us, uh, that's a very good thing. You're very um, happy about the outcome of the elections. For others, you're not. It's evident. It's all over social media. uh, And I feel inclined to address it as a pastor uh, because if you look around in this room, we are a, a, a church of diversity, meaning that we have, I think, a large um, uh, groups of different kind of ethnic uh, backgrounds and upbringings. And so we're going to get right into it and just say, how do we apply the Bible uh, in both cases? Now, let me just come out right out the door and say, this is not a pro-Trump message, okay? I am pro-Jesus, um, I, I, don't, I know that that may be a Debbie Downer for some of you that are. I'm not against Trump. I'm just not pro-Trump. Uh, and so I, I don't want my message or the intro of this message to feel like I'm, I'm saying that I am. I'm simply pro-Jesus, and I want to get some perspective here from the Bible um, about what has shaken many of us. Um, some for the good, some for the bad. Uh, Romans chapter 13, turn there with me. Romans chapter 13, one verse. I'm gonna share the stage in a little bit with uh, Matthew Harlan. He's gonna speak into the issue with me and we're gonna, we're gonna try to hit this um, hard and rely upon Jesus. Let's pray. Come on, I need the help of the Holy Spirit. Father, right now I ask that you would fill me with knowledge and wisdom, but most of all, God, that you would give us clarity, Lord, as we look and observe your word this morning, God. Would you, God, shift our perspective, God? Would you help us emotionally, God, um, gird up our emotions by the word of God? In Jesus' name, we pray. Here Paul is in Romans chapter 13, verse 1, one verse. And I would encourage you to uh, not just take my word as I give the word this morning, meaning Look at this scripture, uh, I would say probably the first seven verses of Romans chapter 13 and study it yourself. Look into it, you know, and and feel free uh, just not to land on just my words alone, okay? So, Romans chapter 13, verse 1, Paul writes this to the Roman church. He says, Let every person look to your neighbor and say, Every person. person. All right, all right, let's do that one more time. I kind of felt like I was in a Baptist church. All right, look at the person next to you. Say, every person. All right, all right. So we're going to throw ourselves into the category this morning of being every person. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Can I just say, Paul is not talking about uh, the authority of the church. He is very explicitly talking about being subject to civil government. Uh, And interestingly enough... Uh, you, you see that the man ruling, the emperor ruling at the time that Paul is writing here in Romans chapter 13 is an emperor named Nero. I can't even, you know, fathom to begin to talk about the evil that Nero embodied. He was an evil man, okay? I'd encourage you to look into the backstory of this emperor's life and, and you, can, you can quickly get a feel. This was a shady character. And at the time, he was persecuting the church when Paul wrote this. And that began to strike like a note in my heart, meaning that if if Paul can write this in the height of an evil emperor governing Rome, I think we'll be all right. Church, look to your neighbor and say, I think we'll be all right. Come on, somebody. Now, some of you are like, I know we're going to be all right. You're very happy about the outcome of the election. You're very happy. Hey, this is America. It's a free country. But anyways, Paul is writing this letter to the Roman church. Can you imagine getting this letter in the height of persecution as an emperor who is trying to um, mislead Roman citizens about a fire that he started In Rome so that he could rebuild the city. Could you imagine that? Here Paul is. He's saying, listen, I know what's going on. I hear what's going on. But you need to subject yourself to the governing authorities. Now listen, Paul just doesn't land there. Now we get into the sovereignty of God. Look to your neighbor and say, God is sovereign. sovereign. Come on. Listen, you ain't in control. You ain't. I ain't in control. I have made... Went into that booth and checked the box. I checked that box. I know some of you, yeah, you wrote a name in, you know. Did you see Carson's Twitter page? He's like, please don't write my name in, please. Vote for Trump. Hey, it's been a strange, strange, strange season. Uh, But Paul doesn't just stop by telling the church in Rome to submit themselves, he says, this for there is no, none, not a zip, none. 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 <laughs> there is no authority except from God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. And I know probably if I had shared this scripture a couple months before the elections, people would have taken it a little bit better. But we're right in the height. And I'm sharing it. I'm putting it out there. But this is Rome. This is Paul. And he's writing to the church. And he's saying, listen, guys, authority comes from God. Amen. Oh, authority. This means that God not only institutes bad people, but good people. Now, again, I am in no way saying that Trump fits in the category of good. Okay? What I am saying is God is sovereign. He put the man there according to the words of Paul. And Paul is not alone. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, people would feel as though it'd be foolish to think any otherwise. That it would be foolish to think God just was not involved in the process. Actually, they had an innate. Belief and conviction that all authority was instituted by God and God alone. And the New Testament affirms this. Let me just turn to uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. This is Peter. He says, be subject to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Whether to the king as supreme or unto governors as sent by him. You know, the funny thing is, most historians believe that Paul was beheaded by Nero and Peter was crucified by Nero. And here they are. (laughs) I don't know about you, but this would probably be the last thing that I'm instructing the church to do. (laughs) I'm like, let's take up arms. Let's fight against this rogue government and fight the system, baby. It'd be Star Wars Uh, on hands. Ah! but but what meekness what humility and you know what i have to believe let me let me read this of what um a man named uh wayne jackson said in an article he wrote in the christian courier about the neronian persecution um he says this Uh, So I said, interestingly, Nero um, was believed to behead Paul and to crucify Peter. Um, But let me just read this little paragraph that he wrote in this article. He said, these passages are subtle indicators of the inspired nature of the New Testament. Men who were writing under ordinary human impulses would hardly have encouraged others to honor and obey such vile men like Nero. Nero. You have, you have, what he's saying is these guys must have been out of their minds. <laughs> How could they write stuff like this? And what do we do? We're going to our Facebook page. Just driving the nail of division more and more. <laughs> Listen, if you're going to fight a war, Facebook probably isn't the best place to do it. And I'm as guilty as the next. Don't get me wrong. I try to use it as my platform. Two people respond. Uh, (laughs) Nobody cares. (laughs) But I I think what I'm going after is we need to have, black, white, yellow, all of us need to have not a worldly perspective here when it comes to viewing and handling emotionally what's happened. Now, I want to be sensitive. To the minorities here, the people who are in fear, who are concerned about their future. I get that. I totally get that. But can I just say in the words of, of uh, Bob, not Bob Dylan, what's the guy's name? The reggae singer. Bob Marley. Bob Marley. I knew it was a Bob. Everything's going to be all right. All right. Everything's going to be a, It's going to be all right. Why? Because God is sovereign. And a matter of fact, as Christians, we are, all, we are all considered as not being citizens of this world. <laughs> Our place is in heaven. Our home is in heaven. And so I think everything's going to be all right. But the main point is here, these guys must have been out of their mind. No, they were touching something in the heart of God of which we need to be reminded of today as we stand and we try to grapple and make sense of what's happening here in our nation. The sovereignty of God. Guys, God is sovereign. He is sovereign. He is in control. He's in control. I would say these words if Hillary Clinton won the election. I would say these words. I don't know how if this is heretical, but I would say these words if the Antichrist got voted into office. Because I believe in the sovereignty of God. I'm not shaken, I'm not moved. Why? Because my trust, my hope, my security does not come from politics. They have let me down the 37 years of my whole life. (laughs) And I've learned to put my trust in Jesus regardless of how good or bad that person is. I wanna invite Matthew up. He's gonna speak uh, to some things here and we're gonna share kind of the... um, the mics although we have two of them
1: tess oh yeah hey how's it going hey, hey. i'm Matt. um let's you throw. are you are All this right. is
0: our campus pastor he um pastors the students yeah yeah pretty cool guy pretty cool guy
1: let's throw uh let's throw acts 2 verse 6 on the screen and you guys can turn there. this is good this is what we're going to start off with uh before we get into some some things me a, w- give me a holler when you're there.
0: I just want to say that I, I chose not to sip out of the plastic glasses. I wanted to sip what? my water. I, d- I knew you brought me these. I was these wondering nice which one was yours and which one was mine. It, water <laughs> tastes
1: much better <laughs> out of these mugs. It's good advertising right there. So get a mug <laughs> if you're new. We got Acts 2. All right. So check this out. Acts 2 says this. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. I think in Acts 2, there's something that we so quickly kind of gloss over in this chapter. One, um, they were all different people. They were all different races. And two, they weren't only able to hear their own native tongue, but they were able to hear other people's native tongues and understand them. And this is the heart of what I want to hit today. I I think, you know, irregardless of all of the the arguments happening, um, the dissension, I think one thing kind of makes me uh, nervous. One thing makes me... Um, concerned, I would say, for the church. One is not the arguments, but two, what are the arguments producing? You know, Jesus says that my sheep know my voice and the voice of a stranger they won't follow. And in the Greek, that word know means genosko, means to know me intimately. They know my ways and the ways of someone else they're not going to follow. And so I'm reading Facebook. I'm hearing people talk. I went to a meeting this weekend. I walked in and there were a bunch of Christians. And the first thing they say is, oh, you know, we lost just got so frustrated. I was like, who are we as Christians? Who do we claim to be? A lot of us here today, we profess Christ. We say we are Christians, but in reality, do we actually know what that we means? Do we actually know what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and simply what it means to follow his voice? That means irregardless of what you think, irregardless of how you feel, Irregardless of what you think is moral, moral, what you think is not moral, it means to be a follower of Christ. The Bible calls us to pick up our cross and to follow him daily. Now, what I want to get to in all of this is, let's continue to go. There's four things in the Bible that are unshakable. One, the throne of God can never be shaken. We need to be reminded of that. I'm seeing Christians, they're worried. They're like, oh, we're moving to Canada. None of you guys are moving to Canada. Let's be, be real. Stop it. Stop it. The throne of God can never be shaken. In Hebrews 1, you don't have to go there. I'm just going to read some scripture really quickly. In Hebrews, verse 1, verse 10, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 10, it says, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear, wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. We serve an unshakable kingdom. In in, uh, Psalms 145, it says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures for all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. His name is faithful, meaning his character is not conditional. It doesn't depend on what's happening uh, in the nation. It doesn't depend on what's happening in the world. It's not conditional. He's still faithful he's still faithful. And so what I want to ask today of us is, do we actually trust the faithfulness and the sovereignty of God, as Joe mentioned? We say, God, you're faithful. God, you're sovereign. But at the one sight of uncertainty, it all goes out the window. Why is that? We're stronger than that. We're better than that. We're called to be citizens of a higher kingdom. God calls us up higher. In Matthew 28, whenever Jesus was taking, uh, sorry, Matthew 17, whenever Jesus was taking the disciples. Um, a couple of them, up to the mountain of transfiguration, there was a word that came from heaven. And the Lord said this. He said, this is my son who I'm well pleased. And then this next chapter, this next sentence is everything. It says, listen to him. Listen to him. Why? Because all authority has been given unto Christ. And so I'm I'm not trying to belittle the issue of what's going on. I'm just trying to get us to come to a higher perspective as believers. We're called to lead in this. We're not called to be of the world. He says, I've called you out of the world. You guys are different. We're a peculiar people. We do things differently. We follow a kingdom agenda. And so the reason why I'm, I'm hitting so hard on this is I'm not trying to be mean, but I've seen friends. I've seen people who are in ministry. I've seen people who I love just so swept away by what's going on as if we have no, sh- no, no standing ground. And I think in reality, this, these things that are happening in the nation today are really showing the true character of where we stand as people. It's showing the true character of what we actually trust and what we actually believe in. Because he says, my kingdom is unshakable. You serve an everlasting kingdom. So that's the first thing that that can't be shaken. The second thing is the word of God can never be shaken. In Colossians chapter 3, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart. The scripture says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Some of us need to watch how we speak. We need to watch what we say, especially when it comes to trying to take God's sovereignty and what God does and fit it into our moral context and saying, if it doesn't make sense, it's not God. That's not the truth. That's not the truth. It's not a, we're not serving a logical God. His thoughts, he says, my thoughts and my ways are higher, above which means that requires a posture from us to actually inquire of the Lord to say, God, what are you doing in this time? The first thing I saw, I think this is a test for all of us. The first thing I saw is people were quick to go to their own kind of preconceived notions of what they felt about the election. Oh, no, this can't be God, or this can't be God. You know, this is God, and this clearly isn't God. But how many of you actually took time to actually pray and inquire of God? So that's the, that's the second thing. You can take that home and do homework with it. The next thing is the church of God can never be shaken. In Matthew 16, verse 18, it says, "Peter, this is where Peter gets the revelation of Jesus. He says, and I tell you, Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, which means we are unshakable people. Now, this is interesting because going forward in verse 22, it says this. It says, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But, he, but Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind, your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. It has everything to do with, with the way we relate to Jesus. Everything to do. And I feel like this scripture as it talks about Peter is how we are responding to God in this moment in the church. We're saying, God, you got to do something, Lord. We got to step in and, and make something happen. He says, get behind me. Do you understand the way my kingdom works? He says, far, you know, Peter says, far be it from me. He says, get behind me, Satan. And the reason why I think that is because in that moment, we don't actually know the character of God and how God operates. He didn't actually know what God wanted to do. So, the, the fourth thing that can't be shaken are the, the children of God can never be shaken. In Hebrews 12, it says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Never have I seen in my 26 years of living so much, I'm going to use this word sparingly, but so much despair in the church. Guys, we are called to be salt and light. We're called to be salt and light. In the word, Jesus says, they will know you, that you are my disciples, that I've sent you by your love for one another. And so if our love is coming under attack for one another, it it tells you that there's a a response that needs to happen from us. We need to fight for our love. We need to fight for our unity. Guys, this is not the time to check out. This is not the time to say, okay, well, this is what I believe, and I'm just going to continue to roll with this. But this is the time to inquire of the Lord. We want to see Acts 2 again. If we truly want to see revival breaking this land, that requires an element of unity. And I'm not saying unity and, oh, we're friends. We all agree. We think alike. No, 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 no. But in Acts 2, the significance was they all had different languages, but yet they were still able to understand. That's the God factor of unity. God is able to bring that type of unity in this community. (laughs) Although we're different races, although we have a different understanding of things, by the Spirit of God, I believe. He's able to make us one. But I think that also requires us taking our mind and taking our thoughts and thinking higher and inquiring of God. God, who are you? Who are you? This is probably an aside point, but in Revelations 4, whenever John was getting the revelation, uh, the, the Holy Spirit was talking to John and said, Come up here, for I desire to show you great and mighty things. I desire to show you what's going to take place. And so there's a, there's a posture that we need to take as people to actually go to that place of not settling for what we see horizontal, not allowing these things to help to let our faith be dismayed, but being rooted in Christ, saying, God, we desire to hear your voice. We desire to come up and to hear what you actually say in this time. Because, guys, if we aren't the voice in this hour, who is going to be the voice in this hour? If Facebook is where you're getting your weekly digest for what we need to do and what we need to pray for, that is not fixing your mind on Christ. I'm sorry. It's going to require you getting on your knees. And I think what we need to do as a church, and what I'm calling us to, is I think we need to have a moment of repentance. We need to have a moment of repentance. One, for not trusting in God for for his sovereignty and who he is. And two, for not loving our brother as ourselves. Because it's by this, it's by this love that we're able to testify of who God is. And if we're not testifying of who God is, what are we doing as people? We're wasting our time. We're wasting our time. So in this next segment, I want to do just that. I want to repent. I want to go to God and pray and say, God, I repent for keeping my, I've done it too. I'm not just bashing you guys. I'm speaking to myself as well. I've done it too. I've, I've allowed my own perceptions to shape what I be, who I believe God is. But it's not right. His word stands alone. His word testifies of who he is. He's sovereign and his kingdom is everlasting. So in this moment, I want to have a call of repentance. And I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to take a moment. It's, it's really easy to say, oh, that's not me. I've been good this whole election. But I'm sure almost all of us in this place have moments where we've compromised our faith in God due to what's happening in the nation. Where we've compromised and questioned the sovereignty of God. But we have to remember that we're citizens of an unshakable kingdom. And we serve a God whose name is going to be glorified in the earth. So, Lord, we thank you, Father. God, we thank you, God, that your kingdom is unshakable. Lord, we thank you, God, that you are not like man that you should lie. But, Lord, that your name is faithful. And so, Lord, in this time, God, we come to you in repentance, Lord. God, for allowing our own perceptions, God, of who we think you are and how you move to shape, God, our our Christianity, Lord. God, we repent, God, for allowing the words of man, God, the words of, of media to shape how we believe. Lord God, what you're doing in this earth, Lord, God, we say, Father, it is not right. Lord, we say it is not right, God. We say that you are sovereign. We just agree with what your word says in this moment, that you are sovereign, God, and your kingdom is unshakable, and your word is unshakable. So, Lord, in this moment, God, we choose to be those sheep to follow the shepherd. God, we choose to hear your word and to obey God and to follow because we know that you are good and your characteristic is good. So, God, we thank you, Father, for this moment. And Lord, we ask that you would make us one. God, help the word to dwell in us richly, God, that we might love our brother, love our sister, God, with the love of Christ. Jesus, we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Real quick in closing.
0: We ask ourselves from this moment, what um, purpose does a candidate like Trump serve? Um, Primarily in our country, but as related to the sovereignty of God, right? Um, You know we have to understand and just to give some context here um, a man named Nebuchadnezzar sorry excuse me a little tongue tied there was prophesied sometime before his brutal reign i believe in 586 bc but in the prophecy of nebuchadnezzar in jeremiah 43:10 jeremiah calls nebuchadnezzar god's servant actually in romans chapter 13 the um, scripture verse that we opened up, Paul actually alludes that these authorities that exist because of God are God's servants. They serve a purpose. Wow. I don't know where you stand politically. I don't care, really. I, but I do know that God has an invested interest in not just the, this election and not just politics in America. But I believe that God is sovereign and that he has been involved from day 1. We are not pulling the strings here people. And our action now as it was when Barack Obama won, for many that was devastating. You know. But our posture now is the posture of prayer. And that may seem offensive like we need to do something. You know, I think I think I think actually prayer keeps us low, quick to just Throw out our words on Facebook and throw out our words in this, with this election. You know, I think prayer is offensive in the way that it just keeps us humble, keeps us close to Jesus. And so I want to encourage us to pray uh, for President Donald Trump and um, all our uh, government and its officials. And, and, and I, I think before we can do that, we need to pray for ourselves. I really do. Um, And so what I want to do, if we can, in this closing time that we have together here, um, I want to break up into groups of threes, um, just people that are near you. And I just want us to um, pray the prayer of Jesus. God, let them be one as we are one. I know that might be uncomfortable for some of you, but I think it's an appropriate prayer because our unity is really being, I think, the most challenged here. <laughs> I, I, that's what I see anyways. That's how I see it anyways. And, and I feel as though that we need to pray, first and all, for our church, for our relationships, that God keeps us low and humble. And so can we do that? Can we close? If I could have Will come up and play some emotional music. <laughs> But listen, hey, listen, you may disagree with some of the sentiment here today. I'm not really bothered by that. I I would encourage you just to take it before the Lord. Weigh these scriptures. Weigh these passages. And study it out for yourself. And and see if you can, you know, see if you can make a good argument with God. Because I think, for the most part, our discontent, our frustration is more with God than anybody. Why do I think that? Because if God institutes authority... (laughs) then he, that means he put Donald Trump there. That's what it means. I'm sorry if that offends you today. Listen, I am not coming out and in, 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 in putting my stamp of approval on this election and saying, yep, God did it. I'm of the mind that Donald Trump will let me down as a citizen. I am of that mind. Why? Because hundreds, many presidents before him have done the same thing. So, our, our real argument, guys, here today is with God. <laughs> you aren't pulling the strings. You aren't in control. God is. And I'm sorry if that offends you. I am, I really am. And I, I'm broken for some of you because I know this is painful. This is painful. I feel that pain. And somehow, by God's grace, we got to think. We got to think differently. We got to think differently. We got we, we do we have to think differently than CNN and Fox News. They were wrong about the elections. Why believe them now? Why believe them now? Blogs and all this. Oh, Hillary's just going to beat it by astronomical numbers. Friend, God is in control. Let's listen to him. Let's get connected to Him. Let's not be like Peter and say, no, no, be it far from me, Lord. Because one day, if we can't stand Donald, man, you imagine when the Antichrist stands on the scene. Whoo! What are we going to think about the sovereignty of God then? What what are we going to think about the sovereignty of God when the pressure, when the fire is really hot? (laughs) We're going to make it through this one, friend. Believe me. We're going to make it through this one. The next one, I don't know. It's up to God. But that's why our security needs to be in the sovereignty of God. Amen. Hear me. Our security needs to be in God's sovereignty, in placing authorities in places of power. Our job now is to pray for them. Stand with my feet. Stand to your feet. Excuse me. Stand with my feet is what I was going to say. <laughs>